a very good day to you. My name is Apostle Timmy Evans, the Senior Pastor of Grace Grand Christian Center, Accra, Ghana. You have come to the hub of spiritual upliftment, where your spirit and your soul will be lifted with undiluted word of God and spirit-filled worship. Continue to listen to enjoy today's episode. This podcast is proudly brought to you by our anchor partners. You can become a member through these three major channels. Visit at at underscore events on Instagram. Select view shop. Choose between donate or sponsor an episode. Visit at events missions on Facebook. Select shop. Choose between donate or sponsor an episode. Visit at events dot life. Choose donate or sponsor an episode. When you sponsor an episode, we will give you a shout out. And when you also donate, we will also give you a shout out and send our prayers to you. It is very important that we all contribute whatever we can to the spread of the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. It's a blessed day, another day, another week the Lord has brought us into. Father, we thank you for your love, for your grace, for your mercy, your kindness towards us. Thank you, Jesus, for frustrating every works of darkness. Thank you, Lord, for shining your glorious light on our path. Thank you for opening the gates of heaven and pouring out your favor and your blessing upon us. Holy Spirit of God, I invite you to this session today. I pray that you will have your way that your name will be glorified in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. You are awesome in your dealings with us. Your mercy, your kindness, your faithfulness endures forever. Who are we without your grace, without your favor, without your mercy? Your kindness is spread all over us. We give you all the glory. We give you all the honor. Holy Spirit of God, I pray that you have your way in today's devotion. That your name will be glorified. That even as we study your word today, all glory, all honor will be returned to you in the precious name of Jesus. In Jesus' mighty name, we have prayed. Make this declaration with me this morning. Say, in the name of Jesus, all unspoken curses against my life shall begin to break. All unspoken and spoken curses over my destiny shall begin to break in the mighty name of Jesus. The tie of polluted objects and items between my life and family, I command them to break to pieces in the mighty name of Jesus. Let the frustrations and disappointment be the portion of every object fashioned against my life. You inward curses militating against my virtues, I command you to break in the precious name of Jesus. Any power given the mandate to curse and hinder my progress, begin to somersault and die in the precious name of Jesus. You spirit of Balaam, hired to 
cost my progress. Fall down and die. In the mighty name of Jesus, fall down and die. Fall down and die. Spirit of Balaam, hired to curse my progress. Fall down and die in the name of Jesus. In Jesus' name, we have prayed. Praise the name of the Lord. We bless the name of the Lord for the grace and the privilege He has given us today again to come to a place of devotion. Last week we began studying the book of 1 Timothy. We are looking at the instruction that Apostle Paul gave to Timothy, instructions that was meant to help him aid him in the success of his ministry to the church at Ephesus. Today we are in chapter 3 of the book of 1 Timothy. Please open your Bible with me. 1 Timothy chapter 3, we are reading from verse 1. And we are going to read to verse 7. This saying is trustworthy. If anyone aspires to be an overseer, if anyone aspires to be an overseer, he desires a noble work. An overseer, therefore, must be above reproach, the husband of one wife, self-controlled, sensible, respectable, hospitable, an able teacher, not addicted to wine, not a bully, but gentle, not quarrelsome, not greedy. One who manages his own household competently, having his children under control without dignity. If anyone does not know how to manage his own household, how will he take care of God's church? He must not be a new convert or he might become conceited and fall into the condemnation of the devil. Furthermore, he must have a good reputation among outsiders so that he does not fall into disgrace and the devil's trap. As the church in Ephesus began to grow, Paul felt the need for Timothy to begin to delegate spiritual duties. And in the delegation of spiritual duties, there are supposed to be overseers, bishops. The word bishop there was as a result of translation. Some of the translation called it overseers people who are to oversee the affairs of different groups in the church, different departments. Then we also have deacons. Deacons are more like overseers too, because their duty is to head and lead certain departments in the church. And in some church settings, deacons, overseers, 
forms the the core team of the church like a team of people helping in the running of the affairs of the church like in our church we have a structure we have the the head pastor we have the junior pastors the duty of the junior pastors is to assist the head pastor manage some departments in the church manage branches other programs outside the church relate with people maintenance and all that so their duty mainly is to help augment the affairs of the church make the church a successful place to be because one person cannot run a church then in place of deacons we have ministers ministers are ordained like the deacons their duty is to manage the affairs of all the departments in the church so i'm talking about our own structure now so we have the head of the choir she is a minister she is an ordained minister the head of the ushering team is meant to be an ordained minister the head of the prayer warrior they are going to go through training and they will be ordained as a minister the head of the instrumentalist is an ordained minister the head of women team is an ordained minister the head of youth is an ordained minister then we have the diamond group which is a, like a business club the head is meant to be an ordained minister and these ministers who in orthodox churches and other churches they are called deacons we call them ministers because they are there to assist in the leading of their group to help maintain order and help run the ministry of God in the church so apostle paul was telling timothy if he must select people and ordain them to be ministers to be deacons they have qualifications there are things that are expected of the ministers the, the deacons the kind of attitude the kind of attributes they supposed to have and this is actually part of the christian doctrine that was carried over from the time of timothy to our time because what apostle paul discussed with timothy in this part of the letter are very relevant to our day and they will continue to be relevant if someone desire to be in the office of an overseer an overseer means that is not just a leader of a group like a deacon the person is actually a head of probably the head of the deacons or Sunday school teachers we have a group of Sunday school teachers who teaches Sunday school who teaches bible studies this are ministers anyone who stand on the pulpit 
to minister to people. Like I'm using our own church setting now. Anyone who stands on the pulpit to minister the word of God, to minister under the influence of the Holy Spirit, they are ministers in the house of God. Others call them deacons. Then above those ministers are coordinators, people who coordinate the affairs of these ministers. Let's say, as a Sunday school teacher, we have three to four people who can teach Sunday schools, who bring them into a group. These three, four people who can teach Sunday school are ministers. They have responsibilities and they, to the church, to God, and they have qualifications, and they have things that are expected of them. The overseers, one of them will be selected to lead the group, to coordinate the Sunday school department. Such person is an overseer, not just an ordinary minister. So his duty is to do Bible study with the rest of the teachers, have Bible discussions with them, do Sunday school reviews, do Bible study reviews, and let the teachers have, ask their questions. That person may, must be matured in the scriptures than the rest of the teachers. And anything he or she does not understand about the scriptures, he should be able to have access to the head pastor or one of the pastors whose duty is to manage the Bible study. So the church is actually a government, a democracy of its own, a governmental system of its own. It's just that this time the Holy Spirit is the one that is leading the church through the leader at the top, whether the presiding bishop, presiding pastor, senior pastor, or whatever they call it. These people have things that are expected of them. And one of them, one of the instructions is what Paul was telling Timothy. So in order for Timothy to be able to divide the job and be able to be effective in his work at the church in Ephesus, he need to ordain leaders, he need to ordain deacons. And those deacons, those leaders he want to ordain, they have things that are expected of them. So we can carry this doctrine. We can call this one a doctrine because we are carrying it over as a standard for selecting leaders in our churches. So that's why you hear that in some churches, if this person is selected to be a deacon, he cannot marry two wives. This is where it came from. If this person is selected to be an overseer, he cannot marry two wives. So this is where it came from. These are instructions from Paul to Timothy. An attempt to ensure that the person who is being selected have some sort of credibility, does not have a home where there's constant rancor in his house, where he and his wife are constantly having public fight. Such, such thing is going to influence the people they lead in a negative manner. Now, this is one fact. Having some attitudes, some behavior 
that are contrary to the instructions in these scriptures does not mean the Holy Spirit can still not use you. The Holy Spirit can still use you. Irrespective of your level of maturity, irrespective of if you are holy or you are unholy, there is no limit to how far God can use people as long as you are willing to submit yourself to God, submit yourself to the will of God. There is no rule that ties the Holy Spirit from using people. However, in a church setting, there are things that are required in order for you to be a leader. I've had some, I had an encounter with someone who got very mad because uh, they selected him to be a dicky. In fact, he was nominated because he was very active in the church. He was very active. He was one of the main person bringing people to church and visiting people and all that. And when it was time for his ordination, it was then discovered that the woman he was staying with, they have just been cohabiting. They have not really married themselves. There is no official marriage. And the church withdrew him from the ordination as a deacon. And he got very mad. Why would the church do that? So I had to explain to him, listen, it doesn't mean that the Holy Spirit cannot use you. Even if you are cohabiting with your wife, yes, you are committing sin, but God can still use you. It's possible for God to use you. I refuse to call you a borrowed vessel, but if you want to function in the church environment according to the scriptures, you will have to do the right thing. Then the church then suggested to him that in order for him to be ordained, he must do something we call correction marriage. In our church then, correction marriage was allowed. Correction marriage is something that if you have been cohabiting with somebody and you've had children together, but you've not really, and probably you've done traditional marriage or you have not done traditional marriage, you've done introduction or you have not done introduction, but it happens that you guys were cohabiting together. Correction marriage requires that you go and do the right thing and then they are going to uh, coordinate the wedding organization for the church will coordinate everything and then the church will marry you and your wife or you and your husband and you will be officially married you'll be given a certificate and your marriage will be legalized after that you can then go ahead and be ordained as a deacon he was for me he was getting angry so i told him listen this is the right thing to do correction marriage does not need to have a lot of crowd you don't even need to cook it's not necessary that you even cook correction marriage can even be done in the office of your pastor depending on what you want to do it's just you and your family if you don't want the church to get involved you can do it in a low key what matters is the fact that you are legalizing your marriage the sight of God, in the sight of the government, you are legally a married man or a married woman. So after I explained to him, he succumbed and then he went 
for the correction marriage. They registered their marriage with the government and then they did their low-key wedding. And that was all. It was ordained the day. He continued to function in the house of God. So we need to understand that these rules that Paul gave to Timothy still applies in our day. Qualification to be a leader. I'm not talking about the end-time churches we have today where people, the yardstick to ordain someone a deacon is by the amount of money the person has in his account or by the amount of money the church perceives that he can contribute the growth of the church, even if he's a drug dealer or is somebody who is doing illegal business, illegal mining and some other stuff. So the church of today does not really care about what the Bible is saying. There are only few churches who cares about the rule of the church. That's why we have pastors sleeping with church members' wives. We have group leaders raping church members because the right rule was not followed when they were being selected to be in a leadership position. So it is very important. So when you see a pastor sleeping with another uh, his church member's wife, it means the person does not have a leader, somebody who actually, who actually directs or leads him, taught him the way of the scriptures, the doctrine of leadership. There are a lot of pastors today who went to Bible school, but they never attended any leadership training. They are not submiss- submissive to anyone. They don't have any one they are afraid of. If you are a young man of God and you don't have a spiritual father, this is not about Godfatherism or anything. It's about accountability. It's about accountability. You have a spiritual father, your spiritual father should be able to tell you what to do and what not to do. Son, that thing you are doing is wrong. Stop it. If I am preaching, if I'm on pulpits and I'm preaching, and my spiritual father calls me and tells me, Son, I want you to come right now. I want to see you right now. I will round up the church service and I will go and meet him. Does not mean that I value him more than God, but he is the one that God used to raise me to where I am today. Doesn't even mean that I respect him more than God, but God himself wants me to submit to him. That's the scriptures. So we have so many men of God today who does not have any father over them. They're just doing their own thing. They saw a friend gathering people, doing church, and they're making money. They said they too went to start their own, make their own money. So if it's about making money, they're going to choose anybody to ensure that the money is being made in their church. If you want to be an overseer, you must have one wife. There was another controversy where if you have been divorced or your wife separated from you or you separated from your wife, your husband left you, you are a divorcee, some church do not allow you to function in any capacity. This is a very controversial aspect which I'm going to discuss in another time. But my point here is that 
the church, we don't have to be too legalistic in some of the things. There are certain situations that you will put the person in training, listen to the person, find out what happened, see if you can reconcile. There's no reconciliation. You have to create an avenue for that person to be useful in the house of God. Maybe they may not be directly involved in any leadership position, but create an opportunity where they can also function. Because many people are actually not the author of whatever happened to them. But that's a discussion for another day. Husband of one wife, because as a leader, as an overseer, there are a lot of issues that come with marrying multiple women. A lot of issues. Polygamy, though we have in some part of Africa, in some, some part of this world where we have pastors that are teaching that polygamy is not a sin and all that, there is no place in the Bible where the Bible said polygamy is expressly a sin. Polygamy was not listed among all the sins that would take you to hell. It is true. But the fact here is that when you look at what comes after polygamy, you will commit sin. If you marry more than one wife, you will definitely commit sin. If you cannot give equal love to the women you marry, you can't do without sinning in that relationship. If you cannot maintain peace in your household, you are not worthy of being a leader in the house of God. There's a difference between you being a peaceful person, you are the minister and your wife is a troublesome person. No matter how you try to foster peace, they are there to cause commotion. You are a nice woman, but your husband is a troublesome woman. And you are the one that God called. God didn't call your husband. And they are causing trouble. No matter what you do, they will do whatever they like. That doesn't disqualify you to function in the house of God. To be an overseer, you must be self-controlled. Self-controlled. You are not easily swayed by money. You are not a fornicator. You are not an adulterer. You are not someone that somebody can easily entice you with money. You have personal value and you have integrity. In order to be in a leadership position, self-control is very important. You must be sensible. Sensible means that you are not a narcissist. Who is a narcissist? A narcissist is somebody who is only concerned about him or herself. He or she is the only person who has feeling, who is very important. Every other person does not matter. Anyone who does not feed his or her ego is considered to be an enemy. That's a narcissist. Narcissists Narcissists are insensible people. They lack sensibility. They are immature. Anyone who is insensitive is immature. 
What does it mean to be sensitive? Sensitive and sensible means that you are a good analyzer. You analyze things. You reason about things well enough before you act. You consider the left. You consider the right. You don't do favoritism. We have pastors that their wife are causing commotion in the church and when there is sit, sit, time to sit down for resolution, the person knows that his wife is at fault. He knows that his son is at fault. But because they are his family, he will side it. He will not do the right thing. And this has destroyed a lot of churches. This has destroyed a lot of churches. We have pastors' children that are scattering the choir department, destroying things in the church, and nobody can talk because we are their, their pastor's children. Their father is the founder of the church. A lot of people will leave the church because of that. So it means the man of God, the woman of God, is not sensible enough. He's not worthy to be a leader. It's not me that said it, it's the scriptures. The person must be respectable. Respectable means he's someone who is worthy of people's respect and he also respects people. A man of integrity. A man of humility. Low degree. Low estate. A man who has self-control. Who has self-value. Respectable. Anything that will make your church members to disrespect you, your leaders, your departments, your followers to disrespect you, you avoid it. In our church, it is a rule that I set for my pastors. Currently, I have four pastors by God's grace. And there's one thing that is common to all of us. The day you are reported to me that you were fighting in somebody's house and all that, we will not have it easy with you. That's what I always tell them. You are not allowed to eat in a church member's house. You are not allowed to beg church members for money, to beg church members for anything, to go behind and go and be talking to church member about your needs is not allowed. If you go visit a church member, they serve you food, don't reject it. But let them package the food for you, go home, sit down on your table, on your floor, your couch, stand up in your sitting room, eat the food the way you like. You must be respectable. The day you go to your church member house once, they serve you food, you eat it. Chew your mouth cha, 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 in front of the church member. That's how you chew. Licking your hand pa, 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 as if you are from the village. That's how you eat in your own room. Not every member that is matured. Some, their children will see the way you are eating. They, when you leave, they will tell you, this, why is pastor eating like that? See, finish, don't they enter? You are losing your respect. A pastor should not be seen among his church members discussing unnecessary things. 
disrespect will enter. So you have to ensure you protect that respect. Remain respectable so that when God is speaking to you, there is no over-familiarity between you and your church member. When God is speaking to you, over-familiarity will not block people from receiving the blessing of God through you. So I told my pastors, no eating in any member's house, no matter how delicious the food is. You must teach yourself to be self-controlled. You are already eating in your house. You cannot... In fact, you can carry the food to your house so that the members will not feel like you are rejecting them. You can carry the food to your house. If you get to your house, sit on the floor, stand, put your back on the wall, however you want to lick your hand. If you want to use your tongue to lick the plate, it's your own thing. In your room, in your sitting room, in your dining, in front of your family, in front of your children. Hmm? Nobody is going to disrespect you because you are in your own house. When you do those plate licking, hand licking in front of church members, the first time they will laugh. Oh, Pastor really love our food. Pastor love our food. The way Pastor was eating the food, he means he loved my cooking. That's the first time. The next time you pass there and you say good afternoon, a thought is telling them, it seems Pastor is targeting our lunch period. Before you know it, Katakata will bust. So respect yourself. Stop eating around. Every church member, you go to their house, you target the time they are cooking. That is when you go and be visiting them. You are losing value. Losing value. You must be hospitable. Hospitable means that you are the kind of person that people always want to see in their house. They want to entertain you in their home because anytime you visit, your visit is once in a while. Anytime you visit, your visit is very filled with blessing. At the same time, you also entertain strangers in your house. Many pastors' wives don't like church members visiting their home because of so many things. They have their reasons. But a pastor's house is a house for everybody. Sometimes midnight, people come and knock your door. Whether they are your church member or not, as long as you are a pastor, and people know that you are a pastor, they will come and knock your, your door when they need help. Somebody is under on, on attack in the next house. They are looking for somebody that will come and pray. Midnight, they will come and lock, knock your door. That's when you see some pastors wife, they will be getting angry. Why are they always knocking your door? Why are they always knocking your door? Why is it that every, every Sunday, when we close, people will still come and see you? You did not know that he's a pastor before you marry him. That's his job. Attending to people's need is his job. See people getting angry, pastor's wife getting angry because uh, at the end of the service, the pastor still have to wait behind and see people. If he didn't see them, who is going to see them? Preaching on the pulpit is not the job of the pastor. Clapping and prophesying, that is not the main job of a pastor. The main job of the pastor is actually counseling, is actually talking to people one-on-one -on -one relationship with people one of after church service sometimes once in a while create a time for your church members to come and see you in your in, in your office in the church there let them talk about their problem there are people in the church that they don't need prayer they just need guidance they just need talk they need encouragement they need their pastor to 
to be there for them. They want to cry. They want to cry in front of somebody who they know is capable of offering them help. The pastor's wife will, will be there, standing. Eh? It's time, let us go home. We are hungry. Let us go home. You can go ahead, madam. You know the road to the house. That is the duty of a pastor. So when you are marrying a pastor, you should know that you are not just marrying somebody. You are not marrying a man. You are marrying a spiritual man. Somebody that will become a father for so many people. He must be an able teacher. Somebody who understands the scriptures and is able to teach the scriptures. Not addicted to wine. In my opinion, as a pastor, you shouldn't even drink wine. Whether the Bible endorses the drinking of wine or not, as a pastor, you should not drink wine. You should not be seen by any of your church members that you are drinking ogogoro, you are drinking soda you are drinking alcohol. It is wrong because you lead many astray. You must not be a bully. You must be gentle. You must not, not be quarrelsome. You must not be greedy. You must be one who manage your household very well. Your children are submissive to the word of God. They, are, you, you, they have dignity. They have self-controlled. They are not fighting people in the church. Your children are doing well in the children department, in the youth department. They are examples to other children. That's how it's supposed to be. That's the scriptures. This thing applies to us today. You must not be quarrelsome. You must not be the kind of person who starts fights. And that doesn't mean you should also be foolish. Because there are people that will take advantage of you because they know that you are a pastor and you are not going to fight. It does not mean you should not also stand for the truth. I always tell my church member, I am not one of those pastors and I'm not teaching you to be violent. I am not one of those pastors that will be doing mumu mumu up and down. If you threaten my work, I will challenge you. That is me. I don't hide it. That doesn't make me a sinner. I'm not a fighter. I don't fight people. But if you bring fights to my domot, I will defend myself. That is me. And I say it even on my pulpit. I don't hide it. I'm not, I'm not quarrelsome. <laughs> not quarrelsome. But I'm not Mumu either. We used to have Night of Jacob every last Friday of the month. It was just one month, one day in a month. And there was this particular man in, an, in the area where our church is. There was another church not far from us, Assemblies of God. And this man had succeeded in taking the church to the police station for noise pollution. He had succeeded in silencing the church. That sometimes on Sunday, when they are even in church, you cannot hear that anybody is in church. You, can, you pass the front of the church, you will not even hear a sound. So they had to lower their sound system in such a manner that nobody outside 
we hear any noise. So our church is about few houses, about maybe about eight houses away from a man's house. So one of the days we were having the night of Jacob. We don't pollute the environment with our noise by God's grace. But you know, when you are singing and you are praising God in the night, definitely the sound we come out in some direction. And the sound of the drum. It was only once in a month. And we also try our best to try and lower the sound very well. So one of the nights, we're having the night of Jacob and the Holy Spirit was moving. Because mind you, the people who always fight the church using noise pollution they have other things they are doing at midnight and the church prayer is disturbing them so one of the night the man while we're in church the night of jacob the man came knocking the gate of the church the same man hate houses too if my mother hate houses self to his house and he doesn't even even stay there he comes there once in a while so he came knocking the church gate making noise at the entrance of the gate. So I left. It wasn't my time to preach. So I left where I was sitting. I went outside to meet him. And I approached him gently. Good evening, sir. God bless you. What can we do for you? He raised his voice. Eh, you people, every night you be praying. Die by fire. Die by fire. Who are you killing? Eh, your noise is not letting us sleep. So I calmly asked him, Sir, your house is not close to the church, so we are not disturbing you in any way. The church, there is a house very, very close, directly close to the church. Another house is very close, directly to the church, around us, because they, those houses, the three of them, put us in the middle. None of these people has ever complained about us making noise. Some of them even attend our prayers at midnight to pray with us. None of them has ever complained that we are making noise. We don't make noise. And the way the church was so built, we only have one window. So most of the sound are contained inside the church. You say, eh, that's your business. I am going to ensure that I shut down this church. And I say, I say sir, please come. You cannot shut down this church. And if you don't desist from your agenda to silence the church in this environment, you'll get a visitation from God. Are you threatening me? I said, no, I'm not threatening you. I'm just telling you the fact. He said, okay, we shall see. That was how he left. That was the last time I saw him. So I'm not quarrelsome. So imagine if I chickened out and I was begging him, oh, sorry, sir, we will lower the sound. Uh, we will not even make noise again. We even have to cancel the whole night because of this. He will continue to raise his shoulders. And that was how the church would be silenced. I'm not saying that you should be quarrelsome. At the same time, you must defend in a world where we find ourselves now, there is need for us to rise and defend the faith, defend what we believe. 
be a man of God, of integrity, but let also people know that you are a man of fire, that nobody can come and underestimate the grace of God upon your life. God bless you. We we'll continue tomorrow. This podcast is proudly brought to you by our anchor partners. You can become a member through these three major channels. Visit at at underscore events on Instagram. Select view shop. Choose between donate or sponsor an episode. Visit at events missions on Facebook. Select shop. Choose between donate or sponsor an episode. Visit at events dot life. Choose donate or sponsor an episode. When you sponsor an episode, we will give you a shout out. And when you also donate, we will also give you a shout out and send our prayers to you. It is very important that we all contribute whatever we can to the spread of the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Thanks for listening to today's message. Please share with your family and friends. Follow me on Instagram at at underscore events. I'm also on TikTok at at underscore events. I'm on YouTube at at events missions. See you in the next episode.